Thank you, Jesus. Well, good morning again and welcome to church. If you're visiting here, if it's your first time here, we welcome you. It's so good to come together in church and, and celebrate what God has done. I was talking about last week how we come to church, not because we have to, but because it's an opportunity we have to come together and celebrate. We're reminded of what God has done for us. Amen? And uh, Fantastic. I wonder how many people know how many days till Christmas? How many days, Michaela? 30 days. It is 30 days till Christmas today. It's the 25th of November. There's 30 days. Um, I had some, some really strong encouragement and wisdom from someone yesterday saying, don't leave your shopping till Christmas Eve, Andrew. I thought, that's good wisdom. Guys, think about what you should buy now. There you go. There's just a little gentle encouragement. Think about it now. Do it this week. Don't leave it till the last week. Um, Anyway, I'm not going to go where I just thought to go there, but <laughs> who loves waiting? Who loves waiting? Like waiting is just your favourite thing. So exciting waiting, isn't it? It's so much fun. Um, it kind of is, it kind of isn't. Like I'm sure there's some kids that are excited about Christmas. Um, I've been getting a daily countdown of how many days till Christmas for about 30 days now. Um, and... Uh, yeah, look, waiting is not always that much fun, but this morning I want to talk a little bit about waiting. This morning we're actually going to be start starting a, a new series uh, in the lead up to Christmas, but before, we, before I introduce you to what that series is, um, I want to ask, who, who likes history? Who's into history? Hey, cool, we've got some, some history lovers. Who hates history? Who did history at school and like ever since history's been this like your worst enemy? Praise God, that's good. <laughs> oh, I saw a couple of little hands. It's like little fingers just went up there. <laughs> to be honest, I, I, over the last few years, have just learnt to love history. It's something that I enjoy, to, to learn about things that have happened in our history, to read books about history, to read biographies of people's lives and their journeys and their stories. And you flick on SBS and see, you see about the Battle of Taurus or the, the fall of blah, blah, or uh, making up things that never happened. <laughs> I love history, but I'm not a great uh, knowledgeable history person. Does that make sense? <laughs> anyway, history is a good thing. History teaches us things, and we can learn a lot from history. And just think for a moment. Imagine you wanted to find out some history about your grandfather. You wanted to know what life was like for your grandfather. Uh, now, what, the, what would be the logical thing, if you could do it, would be go and talk to your grandfather. You can say, Grandfather, tell me about life when you were a kid. Tell me what you did when you were growing up. Where did you live? Where did you go? What did you do? That would be the logical thing to do. Now, sadly, for many of us, we can't do that. They're no longer here with us. But what we do when we want to find out about a person or an event, we, we go to someone else and say, Hey, Dad, you knew your dad. Tell me about his life. You go to a person and you say, you knew that person, you know about their life. Tell me a story about what they were like, about things that happened in their life. You want to find out about a person and their history, you find out their story through another person. Or you could even say it's his story. You want to find out a person, you find out his story. You find out about the person, you want to find out history about a situation, a time, a thing, an event in history that happened, you find out people's stories that happened through that event. And this morning we're going to begin a series looking at Christmas and the history of Christmas. It's a historical event. It took place on this earth. It's his story 
It's people's story through Christmas, but it's actually the story of God moving through Christmas. And as we go through this Christmas time, God help us to be ready to give reason for the hope that we have. To be able to explain the history of Christmas, God's story through Christmas, the story of what happened through the eyes of other witnesses that were there at that time. Let it not just be a nice, fun, festive season, but a, a time of celebrating, remembering, and, and declaring His story through the events of Christmas. The light of the world has come to us. The light of the world has come that we could be set free and empowered to live this life and have eternal life with Him. That is what Christmas is about. We're going to open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. I encourage you to open up your Bibles and read along. We're going to read a, a bit of Bible this morning. Everyone said, "Woo, yeah, you're excited, reading the Bible. The Bible can change your life. Be excited when you open the Bible and say, God, help me to understand what you want me to see today. And Lord, we pray that right now. Speak to us, we pray, as we read your word this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, Luke chapter 1 and verse 1. Thank you, Lord. Who loves waiting? We'll just wait for those last few flicks. I think I've heard them stop. Thank you, Lord. Luke chapter 1 and verse 1. Many people have set out to write an account about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honourable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. When Herod was king of Judea, so he's setting the scene, he's saying these are the people whose story we can learn about and hear about these events. When Herod was the king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. It's kind of like, yeah, he's, he, was, he was doing shift work. He, he, he was on that week. Um, it's just as it was. Verse 9, As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying, as they did. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. It's interesting when you see any angel appear in the Bible, you see people terrified. God's power and brilliant, beautiful majesty is beyond our comprehension. I love the detail there. So it's standing to the right-hand side of the altar. It's like he had a vivid memory. It's like he was standing right there, right beside the altar on the right-hand side. I remember it clearly like it was yesterday. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. 
and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God, and he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. He's trying to be kind there. (laughs) She's old! Verse 19. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. I love that little fact there. It's like, this was unusual. This was an unusual thing that happened. And they're waiting. Where is he? Verse 22. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. What a coincidence. Not really. Just wonder if you noticed that. It's like God spoke, it happened. Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Because in that time and place and culture, it was a shameful thing for her. But God had taken away her disgrace. How kind the Lord is. You know, Zechariah and Elizabeth said, we're righteous in God's eyes. Now that doesn't mean they were without sin. You just remember back to the beanbags last week, if you were here. We had the, the, we've all been born into sin. We've all been born into sin. We are all sinners. There is no one righteous. But they were good people. They were people who tried to please God. They were people who were living day by day, trying to live God's ways. They were good people. But sadly, sometimes the godly suffer. Sometimes good people suffer things that just does not seem fair or right or good. The Bible tells us that God sends his reign on the just and the unjust alike. God shows no favoritism. While we are on this earth, God pours out his blessings. He gives us breath. He gives us Food, he gives us shelter, he, he provides for us. And it's not based on our goodness or how bad we've been. He sends his reign on the just and the unjust alike. And sometimes the godly suffer. And in that time of waiting, I just wonder how Zechariah and, and Elizabeth had felt through that time. We don't know exactly their age, but these were old people. I wonder how long they had stewed over this. That maybe they even got angry at God sometimes. They got sad about it. They got discouraged. Sometimes in the waiting, it's hard to see God's plan. Sometimes it's hard to understand, how can you use this God? How can you be at work through this? Why are you allowing this God? But the reality is, sometimes the godly suffer. And sometimes our waiting is God's preparation for the divine for the miraculous, for God's amazing provision. 
And sometimes that's a, a miraculous change in the situation, a miraculous change in the circumstances, and sometimes it's a miraculous provision of strength to get through the times that are very difficult. Sometimes it's our getting through those hard times that actually becomes a witness to those around us. If, if as Christians we never suffered, if we never had to go through any trials, I could imagine if I was a non-Christian, I'd look in at those who, who knew God and say, of course you love God. He always helps you. He always does everything good for you. It's like, how could God ever love me? He, he must hate me and have nothing to do, want to have nothing to do with me. But God allows us to go through trials. And I believe even through the trials, God wants to move in a miraculous way that people would see our trust in Him, our confident hope in Him, despite the circumstances, that something miraculous would come to pass in their hearts. It's a challenge, but sometimes the godly suffer. But let's be trusting God. Let's believe that He can move no matter what. I think of... I can never say his last name. <laughs> I've been trying to say his name for 15 years now. <laughs> Vujicic, or Vujicic, however do you say it, the guy who was born with no arms and legs. 15 years ago, he stood on the platform. Actually, no, he didn't stand. Well, <laughs> he stood on a table in this church right here and declared he did not pray. Sorry, he had prayed that God would give him arms and legs. He believed God could do it. But his prayer had changed as he's grown older. He still knows God could miraculously give him arms and legs, and that would be a pretty awesome testimony. That would be a pretty miraculous witness to the world. But he said, God has given me an opportunity that through my suffering and through my trial, I can declare to the world that my hope is not in arms and legs. My hope is in Jesus Christ. My confidence is in him. Do we allow what we're going through just to be something that we can wait and trust and, and look to God to provide through the suffering, through the trial, through the challenge, through that thing we love called waiting? I want to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, talking about how we can trust God no matter what. Hebrews 10, verse 22 to 25. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Another translation says, God is trustworthy to keep his promises. Now maybe today you've never cried out to God. You've never put your hope in this God and professed your faith in Him. But today, you can know your sin to be washed away. If you ask God for His forgiveness, if you recognize that you are a sinner, that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, you can be set free from your sin and that God is trustworthy. He will keep you from being judged as you deserve and you can have eternal life with Him beginning today. You can have relationship with the living God even today. And God can be trusted. Even though we go through suffering, even though we go through trials, God can be trusted. Don't doubt His love for you because of something that you're going through today. God can be trusted. The question for us is how do we respond to God when He speaks? How do we respond to God's Word? When we read the Bible, when we open the Bible and we see that God says that He's a loving God, that nothing can separate us from His love, do we question that? 
I think there's a time and a place that it's okay that God doesn't mind us asking questions, but do we come to a place like as, as the psalmist does, as so many times you read the psalms and he begins to question and say, God, why is this happening? But do we come to a place of saying, but God, your word declares this and I'm going to put my trust in you. How do we respond to God's word? Do we say, I don't understand it, but God, I know that you're faithful and I'm going to trust you no matter what. Because that's what God's calling us to. And there's, there's a blessing for us if we can walk in that. We live by faith and not by sight. We don't just look at the physical situation and circumstances and say, this is just how it is. We say, no, no I know I have a, a powerful God and Savior who loves me and can work despite all the obstacles that I face. How do we respond to God's word? It's interesting, in that nine months after Zechariah is visited by that angel and he, he becomes mute, he can't speak, um, and it seems like he's also deaf as well because they have to make gestures to try and get him to speak later on, we'll hear that. But um, In that nine months since he, he stopped speaking and Elizabeth, I was about to say Zechariah became pregnant, no, Elizabeth became pregnant, it's amazing the transformation that happens in Zechariah, and we'll look at it in just a moment. But from this man who just could not believe what the angel was speaking, to a great confident conviction and faith in God, just that nine months later, the, the change is unbelievable. The conviction that we will read about in just a moment. And I want to suggest to you this morning that for us, Great confident conviction comes for us as we sit and we be silent and still before God. I wonder how do we go at being still before God and, and letting His Word really penetrate our heart. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know, actually it says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that He is God. How often do we stop and just be still and say, okay, God, I'm hearing all these things, I'm hearing all these thoughts, I'm hearing all these voices, but Lord, what do you say about this? What do you say? Let's read in verse 57, we're just skipping past the story of some of the other people in that time and place and back to Zechariah in verse 57. It says, when it was time for Elizabeth Elizabeth's baby to be born. She gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. I was thinking about that statement and I thought, that's interesting. They've known for some time that she was pregnant. Like, you know, people get to that point and you're like, it's, it's no longer going to be a surprise when they have a baby because they've obviously got one. I was reading, reading that and thinking, Actually, you know what? I think they came and they rejoiced with her and they, they celebrated the mercy of God because this old, old lady had not only carried a baby but given birth to a baby and both mother and child were healthy. I think, wow, the mercy of God, they came and they rejoiced with her. Verse 59, it says, When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, No, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet. I didn't realize they had iPads back then. Sorry, terrible joke. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again. And he began praising God. 
And listen to this. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what happened spread throughout the Judean hills, throughout the Otways and all the south, I mean, all the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty saviour from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, I just imagine him turning to his little baby boy named John. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. You know, Zechariah had had some doubts as we read about his story, about what happened at Christmas time. The light has come. Zechariah had some doubts. He was struggling to conceive how he and his wife could have a baby in their old age. But then after nine months of silence, he now has this great confidence and conviction in God. And I don't think it was just because he'd become mute for nine months. I think the Holy Spirit came upon him in that silence, in that time of meditating on what the angel had spoken to him. And listen to what he says. He has redeemed. He has been merciful. He has sent us a mighty saviour. This is before Jesus' birth. Now, in reality, Jesus was there. He was already in Mary's womb. We can read that preceding what we just read there. Mary has had the baby come within her. But John is speaking this out of a confident conviction. He has a great faith that what God has spoken is coming to pass. He doesn't even say, God is going to. He said, God has redeemed. God has been merciful. He has sent us a mighty saviour. And I want to suggest to you that confidence comes as we listen to God with the right attitude. I think John heard, sorry, Zechariah, thanks Kerry. (laughs) Zechariah heard that angel speak, but didn't have that attitude of humility. Didn't have that attitude of, this is God's word to me and I just need to embrace it. And over that nine months, I think, I'm quite sure Zechariah must have thought, why on earth did I have to open my big mouth? This is so frustrating. Have you ever lost your voice? It is incredibly frustrating. It's irritating even for an hour. Well, for some of us, maybe more than others. Some of you seem to... (laughs) It's not a pleasant thing to not be able to speak. And for nine months, Zechariah has gone through this. I think he's come to a place of humility of saying, God, help me to listen when you speak from this day forward. Let me never have to go through an experience like this again. 
And with a, a right, humble attitude, he has been listening to God. He has been seeking God and saying, God, what's your plans for this child? God, what's your plans through this? And as he listened to God through that time, as he spoke with God, as he waited upon God, I believe a great, confident conviction came in his life. I believe he would have been studying the scriptures. He would have been opening the word and saying, what has God said about this Savior and how is this going to happen? And what's going to come to pass? And he's, he's opening the word and studying what God's spoken to him about. He's saying, wow, God's bringing it to pass. It's going to happen. Now in actual fact, I think Zechariah probably had a wrong view of what God was going to do in some ways. I think he probably actually thought that this baby was going to announce the way for this coming saviour who was going to be a general and rise up as an, an army leader and that Rome was going to be thrown out and Israel were going to, were going to rule and reign in the, in the land again, which wasn't actually what was going to happen, which is a valid point for us when God speaks. We can have a confident, right conviction, but have a wrong assumption about how God's going to move in that situation. We need to be very careful about our assumptions about what God's going to do. God, give us a, a confident conviction and faith about who God is and what He's going to do, but not presume on how He's going to do it. Let's leave that up to God. In verse 78, Zechariah says, Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven, the Savior, the light of the world, is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Zechariah is seeing that this Saviour is coming, the one who's going to give light to all who turn to Him. He's going to guide us into the path of peace through this little baby who's going to grow up to become a great Saviour of all who turn to Him. There's three things I want to highlight just briefly this morning. Three points, three things that we can learn from the history of Christmas, of what happened to those whose lives were involved in the Christmas story of Jesus' birth and His coming to this earth. Number one, God can turn painful scars into great testimonies of grace. It doesn't matter how He does it. He can change the situation. He can change our heart. God can turn painful scars into great testimonies of His grace. Sometimes I feel like I harp on about the same things that have happened to me in my, different parts of my life. But breaking my back, I could not see how that was a good thing. It's not an enjoyable or comfortable thing to break your back. And I'm sure the situations that you've gone through, you're thinking, God, how can you, 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 you use this? <laughs> how can you use this for good? But I thank God that so many times in my life when I'm out bike riding, people introduce me as, hey, this is Coxie who broke his back. And he's racing his bike again. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, whoa, are you serious? That's crazy, man. What happened? And I say, you really want to know? I'll tell you. <laughs> and I got to tell the, 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 the local paper rang up and asked them, and they ran a story on the back page, Miracle Recovery. And our scars can lead to great testimonies of God's grace if we continue on in Him. We can't turn our back on Him and expect God to continue to, to work in that situation. We need to continue on with trust and confidence in who He is and what He can do. God, help us to keep a right attitude and a right heart, even through the trials and the pain and the suffering that we go through. God can use it. 
as a great testimony of His grace. Number two, confident conviction comes as we be still and silent before God. When's the last time we put aside a couple of hours just to stop and be still before God? We spend hours doing the gardening. We spend hours filling up our car with petrol over a cumulative period of time. We spend hours and hours and hours doing things that in this life and in eternity, in the scheme of eternity, will have no lasting impact. But I wonder what putting an hour aside this week might do in impacting your life and those around you. I wonder what putting a a day aside to say, God, I just want to spend time with you. I just want to seek what you are saying. I just want to open your word and, and meditate upon your word. And God, help me to see what you're saying in this situation. Are we ready just to, to be still and say, God, speak to me? It's great to listen to podcasts. It's great to, to, to talk to other people about the situations we go through. But do we stop? Do we put aside all those other voices and just say, God, speak to my heart through your word. Speak to my heart through your Holy Spirit. And I just pray even now, Lord, that you would speak to people's hearts in this moment about the situations we face. The third thing I believe we can learn from this story in history is that through Jesus, God's light of salvation has come. Zechariah declared it with confidence that it was going to happen, but we can look back and say, it has happened. It has come to pass. Jesus, the light of the world, has come to this earth. He suffered and died a sinner's death, even though he'd never sinned. He was crucified. He rose again three days later, that we too can be set free for eternity. The light of the world, the light of salvation has come. Now maybe you're sitting in a place right now where you feel like the darkness you're in is so dark and you're thinking, you know what, light is great, Andrew, but you know, you just put up a piece of paper or a, a wall and the light can't get through, Andrew. It's like maybe you feel like the light of God is, is not strong enough to break through the darkness you're in. Maybe. Something we read through that different translations actually interpret a lot better than the one we read just before. But I just want to highlight what it actually says in another translation. Talking about that mighty Saviour that was coming. It doesn't say mighty Saviour in the original text. I encourage you, read different translations. Don't just have one translation that you always read. Read different translations to get a full picture of what God's Word is actually saying. It says, God's horn of salvation has come. I love that picture we shared a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we can be, a f- we can be fearful of the roaring lion who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, who's, who prowls like a roaring lion to seek to devour those who he can. But God has given us a strength in him. We have a mighty saviour. Jesus is the horn of salvation. And you picture that. We had a debate about whether it was a buffalo or a wildebeest, if you remember. Uh, you just picture the horn of any animal, these, these mighty horns, these powerful, strong things that can penetrate the lion and throw it up in the air a mile high. And, and like It's a strong thing. If you read through the Old Testament, it talks about the horn of salvation that is coming. And Jesus is the horn of salvation. He is not weak. He is strong. He is mighty and He is able to pierce any darkness. There is no situation that he cannot penetrate. There is no situation that the horn of salvation, the light of the world, that cannot 
change and effect if we let him in. We will stop, will we stop and ask him to come into that situation? Invite him in. And he is strong and mighty. His, self, his, his death and resurrection were not in vain. His death, his resurrection, his salvation is powerful for us. For us. Jesus, through Jesus, God's horn of salvation has come. We can live this life knowing we have relationship with God, that nothing can separate us from His love. As we think about Christmas, we can remember that Jesus died on the cross for our sin, that nothing can separate us from His love. Praise be to the Lord. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. It was not Zechariah. It was not John. It was the Saviour who came for us. Just as the band comes, I just want to read uh, one last statement to you this morning. No matter what we face in this life, we can be confident and walk in the love and light of Jesus. No matter what we face, we can be confident and walk in the love and light of Jesus. No matter what you face, no matter what challenges you're facing, whatever you're going through, you can be confident in God's love. You can be confident that He is the light of the world and He will lead you through all things. He won't allow you to sit in darkness if you invite Him in. I just want to pray for you this morning as we come to a close. Lord Jesus, I just pray today that God, for every one of us, that we would just be still and know that you are God. Lord Jesus, even through the trials, the challenges, the, the temptations and struggles that we face, Lord God, I pray, God, that you would help us to see that you are stronger, that you are mightier than any of these things that come against us, Lord. Lord Jesus, I just pray today that you would give us great testimonies of your grace, even through the scars of things that have happened and things that have occurred in our life. We thank you, Jesus, that even as you are able to bring a son to Zechariah and Elizabeth, that, Lord, you can do the miraculous in our lives. You can change the circumstances. You can change the situations. And, Lord, you can change our heart. No matter how hard it's got, no matter how long it's been, you can do the divine in us. And, Lord Jesus, we just invite you in today. We invite you to have your way in us. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that through this Christmas time, that Lord, you would help us to proclaim the truth of what you have done through history, what you have been doing. And that Lord, we would help people see the reason for the hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing this song, It Is Well With My Soul. No matter what happens in this life, no matter whether, whether you're in the waiting whether you're in the, the celebration of what God's done, we can sing, It is well with my soul because Jesus, the horn of salvation, the light of the world has come for us. Let's stand this morning and let's sing this and ask God to really do a work in our heart that we can say this with confidence and that this would be our testimony. Amen.